This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. It is a pleasure to be with you today on Getting to Know Your Bible. We do appreciate those of you that are watching at this time. We may have those watching today for the very first time. Thank you for tuning in. We appreciate those who watch every time we come on the air as well. Now today we're going to discuss a subject that is found in the New Testament. Actually, it's a subject that's taught in all of the Bible, but we're focusing on a uh, passage of Scripture in the New Testament. And we want to talk about the chastening of the Lord. The chastening of the Lord. What does the Bible say about that? I hope that you'll stay tuned as we discuss that important Bible subject. Now today we continue to offer a free Bible correspondence course and may I emphasize as strongly as I know how that this course is free. We have people who will call and they say now uh, just exactly how much is this going to cost me? And I would say if I were answering the telephone, absolutely nothing. I'm telling you now it's free. We want you to have it in order that you might know more about the course, that you might know how to receive it, we're going to pause for just a moment. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible Correspondence Course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama, 36580. Or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214. I'm going to be reading now from the book of Hebrews, uh, chapter 12, beginning in verse number 4. You have not yet resisted unto blood striving against sin, and you've forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If you endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Lord chasteneth not? But if you be without chastening, or chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are ye illegitimate and not sons. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection of the Father of spirits and live? For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit that we might be partakers of his holiness." But now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. It is not always easy to be a Christian. This particular chapter opens by saying that we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, so let's lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. So, so in living the Christian life, sometimes there are obstacles 
They get in the way. And we have to, to, to remove those obstacles, the weights and the sins that would beset us. It was our forerunner, Jesus, who endured hostility. Verse 2 says we're to look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down on the right hand of the throne of God. Now look at verse 3. Or consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. So Jesus did not have it easy. If Jesus had to endure hostility, if he had to endure hard times, why do I think that I'm any different? And we're going to have to endure as well. And in this particular reading, in verse 4 he said, You've not yet resisted unto blood striving against sin. And then he says in verses 5 and 6, which brings out the subject that we're discussing, to not despise the chastening of the Lord. Because those that the Lord loves, the Lord chastens. This is a proverb from Proverbs, the 10th chapter, verse 12. You see, he is going to enlarge now in these series of verses that I've read the chastening of the Lord. Well, what does the word chastening mean as it is used in our text today? Well, one definition that was given of chastening is whatever in adults would cultivate the soul. That's chastening. And it, that would be especially the, the correcting of our mistakes and the curbing of our passions. That would be chastening. There are some people that actually deny the fact that God chastens us. And they would not think that a God of love and a God of pity and mercy could ever chasten his children. But did you not hear what he said? Whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. Some think that all of the suffering that we endure in this life, all of the difficulties that come our way, all of the chastening is of Satan. But that is not the case. The Bible teaches there are times when God brings chastening our way. And when that happens, we should not uh, turn against God, become bitter. The purpose of the chastening is to make us better people. And we shall see that as we go along. This is something that is taught in the Old Testament. For example, in Deuteronomy, the 8th chapter and verse 5, there the scripture says, As a man chasteneth his son, so the Lord by God chasteneth thee. Why, just like a father at times would have to correct a son and chasten a son. There are times that God, for our own good, has to correct us and chasten us. And then there is a passage or two in the New Testament that teaches this. There's a letter in the third chapter of Revelation written to the church of Laodicea. 
a church that was not hot, that was not cold, it was lukewarm. And the Lord rebuked this church for their lukewarm and apathetic attitude. And then in verse 9, the Lord said, As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. He was not rebuking them and chastening them because he hated them, because he enjoyed doing that, but rather he did it because he loved them. In 1 Corinthians, the 11th chapter, verses 31 and 32, Paul said, For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord, that we should not be condemned with the world. I think it's pretty plain in those passages that when God does chasten us or rebuke us or correct us or discipline us, it's in order that we might be made better people. So again, the writer says, in quoting from the book of Proverbs, despise not the chastening of the Lord. Now, how is it that God chastens us? How is it that God, from time to time, corrects us? How is He going to do that? Well, first of all, I, I would suggest that it, one of the ways is by instructive chastening. And the purpose of instructive chastening is to prevent the corrective chastening. And instructive uh, chastening can come in the form of teaching. Why, for example, in the third chapter of Revelation, this letter was written to this church to chasten them. It was an entire letter written to this whole congregation for the purpose of chastening or correcting them. Well, how was the Lord doing that chastening? He was doing it through words. Why, Jesus in John 15 and 3 says, Now you are clean through my words, which I have spoken unto you. It is the word that helps to remove from our lives those things that could bring a chastening from the Lord that could be quite unpleasant. And so there is a purpose for the Bible. It is instructive discipline, instructive chastening of the Lord. But, but this also can come in the form of tribulation. Chastening can be in the form of tribulation. Job suffered. Well, let me ask you a question. Was it because Job deserved to suffer? Was it because he was an evil man? Actually, some of Job's friends brought that argument to him. They said, Job, what have you done that's so terribly wrong for you to be suffering like this? You see, they were under the delusion that all suffering is because somebody has done something that was wrong. That's not true. Job was not suffering because Job had sinned. If you go back and read the first few verses of the very first chapter of Job, you'll see that Job was a man that was upright. He was a, a man that shunned evil. And he was a highly respected man in his day. Why, well, he's one of the best men in all the world in his day. And in spite of all of that, Job suffered. Not because he had done something wrong, 
but it was to make him a better man. God allowed it to happen. God did not make the suffering happen. Satan tempted Job and caused Job to suffer in some unbelievable ways. But God, with his permissive will, allowed Job to suffer. He did not stop the devil. He did not stop Satan in what he was doing. But God allowed it to happen. And in James chapter, James chapter 5 and verse 11, the Bible says you've heard the end of the Lord and you've heard of the patience of Job. And the end of the Lord in the life of Job was that in the end, God blessed Job beyond measure because Job uh, endured the suffering. In Job the first chapter, for example, the Bible says that in all of this, Job sinned not nor, nor, nor charged God foolishly. He wasn't blaming it on God. Sometimes when suffering comes our way, we have a tendency to want to turn against God and blame it on God. But it's not God's fault. Now, God didn't stop the suffering. Have you thought about what the turmoil there would be in the world if God were to suspend all the evil and bad things that even happened to Christians? It'd be turmoil in the world. He'd have to suspend it for all people. That is, there would be a complete chaos in the world if God were to suspend uh, all of the suffering in the world. But there is God's permissive will. God permitted it to happen. He did not stop it. And early Christians suffered tribulation. And it took the form of persecution. Not because they had done wrong. They were persecuted because they did right. You know in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 12, the Bible says, In all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Now, they were not being uh, suffering tribulation because they had sinned. They, they were actually suffering because they had not. They, 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 they were suffering because they were trying to do that which is right. And the fact of the matter is, those who try to live a godly life in our secular humanistic society today to, are going to suffer persecution. You suffer persecution by those who do not believe in God and do not believe the Bible. And actually you may be uh, laughed at, you may be mocked, belittled, and in some instances in some parts of the world, your life may be put in jeopardy. But so they were, they were chastised, and that chastisement was because they were Christians. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, Paul talks about, Peter talks about the fact that Christians suffer. If any man suffers a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but rather let him glorify God on this behalf. You see, God allowed suffering in the lives of Christians, knowing that it was going to make them stronger people. And it will. Listen to James chapter 1. James says, the trying of your faith works patience. That's one of the things that comes out of the chastening of the Lord. It works patience in our lives. I want you to turn a few pages over to the book of 1 Peter chapter 5. I want you to look at verse 8 first of all, where he says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary of the devil is a roaring lion walking about seeking whom he may devour. We know that. But look in verse 9. 
whom resist, that is, resist the devil, steadfast in the faith. Why? Knowing that the same afflictions that are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. In other words, there were some of those Christians that were suffering, and they were suffering unbelievably. Turn back to the fourth chapter of 1 Peter. Look at verse number 12. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. In other words, if you suffer tribulation, don't, don't think that's odd because you're a Christian. You, you, he said, don't think that's strange because it's happened to you. But look at verse number 13. But rejoice inasmuch as you're partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad with exceeding joy. If Jesus suffered, and he did, if you follow Jesus to some extent, you can expect suffering. You can expect tribulation. And that tribulation can be a form of chastening. So chastening can come in the form of an instructive uh, or corrective chastening to make better people of us. And don't think it's strange if we suffer in this life. Oh, our lives may not be put in jeopardy, but it may be that uh, we suffer in other ways that, uh, uh, that uh, people cannot even see. But then the Bible also teaches that chastening can take the form of corrective discipline. If you study carefully the book of Amos, this becomes abundantly clear in the Old Testament. See, there was Judah and Israel, and they had prophets sent to them and to call upon them to repent. Time and again they were told, unless you repent, trouble is coming. Unless you repent, captivity is coming. But they were like many people are today. They did not listen to what the prophets had to say. And as a result, they went into captivity. It could have been prevented had they heeded the instructive chastening of the Lord. Inasmuch as they did not heed the instructive chastening of the Lord that came in the form of what the prophets said to them, then God allowed them to go into captivity. Now, today, if we fail to heed the chastening of the Lord, the instructive chastening, that is, we turn a deaf ear to what God says in the Bible, there, there may be some corrective discipline that comes our way. There, there may be something that afflicts us, that makes us look up. I, I want to turn back to the Old Testament, to, to the book of Psalms, to the 119th chapter. There are a couple of passages in this chapter that I think are significant. First of all, there is uh, verse number 67. Listen to verse 67. Before I was afflicted, I went astray. Before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now have I kept thy word. The indication is that after he was afflicted, after he had some problems, it caused this person who wrote this to realize the importance of God in his word. 
Now look at verse 71. It is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. The fact is sometimes we do not look up until we're flat on our backs. We do not look to God until there is some chastening that comes our way. Now, there is the instructive chastening of the Lord. And then when that chastening does not bring us to the Lord, there can be some corrective chastening. And somebody says, well, what about that type of chastening today? Do, do you think the, that brought God uses corrective chastening today in our lives? Well, if God used that with Judah and Israel, why, why do we think that in the realm of providence that God might not use that type of chastening with us today? Now, those are some things that are not spelled out for us in detail in the Bible, but it just seems reasonable to think that if God chastened people of old in order that it might make better people of them and bring them to the realization that God is to be respected and obeyed, why would God not use chastening today? And remember, God has a completely different timetable than does man. I don't know whether the difficult times through which we're going now might be something that God has permitted as a form of chastening to cause people to look to Him. I know this, that it was during and after World War II that the church flourished in America. And I believe the reason that the church flourished in America during that time was because people had gone through a time of chastening, affliction, hard times. And those hard Times have a way of making us realize how much we truly need the Lord. So despise not the chastening of the Lord. Somebody says, why is it that God would do that? Well, it's not because God enjoys it. No, no. I want you to turn to a passage in the uh, a book of Lamentations. In Lamentations... Uh, chapter 1 and verses 3 through 5. I want you to listen to what the, 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 uh, Jeremiah wrote. Judah is gone into captivity. Why? Because of affliction and because of great servitude. She dwelleth among the heathen. She findeth no rest. All her persecutors overtook her between the straits. The ways of Zion do mourn because none come to the solemn feast. All her gates are desolate. Her priests sigh. Her virgins are afflicted. She is in bitterness. Her adversaries are the chief. Her enemies prosper. For the, listen to this, listen to it now. The Lord hath afflicted her. Why? For the multitude of her transgressions. Her children are gone into captivity before the enemy. Why, Jeremiah wrote in Lamentations that the Lord afflicted them. Was that because God enjoyed doing that? Absolutely not. If you'll turn over to the third chapter of Lamentations and look in verse number 31. The Lord will not cast off forever. 
But though he cause grief, that is chastisement, yet will he have compassion according to the multitude of his mercies. For he doth not afflict willingly, nor grieve the children of men. You see, when we have difficulties that come our way, hard times that come our way, things that God did not prevent and He allows it to happen. It's not because God wants us to suffer. It's not because He enjoys doing that any more than He enjoyed His people going into captivity. But He was still a God of mercy and eventually He brought them back. But God allows chastening when it is for our good. It's to correct us. Notice Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 9. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us. And my mother and my father both corrected me many, many times. They believed in the chastening of the rod. Listen to it. He said, our, we have fathers of our flesh which corrected us and we gave them reverence. And you can believe that when my father and mother chastened me, I gave them respect, I re gave them reverence. And shall we not much rather be in subjection into the father, our Father of spirits and live? So our parents corrected us. They chastised us. And shall we not much more respect God because of what He does in correcting us today? This makes us partakers of His holiness. That's in verse number 10. Also in verse 11, this chastening can cause us to yield the peaceable fruit of righteousness. Keep in mind, it is always for our good. It is always for our good. And when you live right, you can expect it in some form. And even though God may not prevent the chastising that comes in your life, the chastening, the correcting, the tribulation. If we stay true to God, it's going to be for our benefit. Because all that live godly in Christ Jesus are going to suffer persecution. And so may we not turn against Him because we've had trouble in our life. In the closing moments, I would encourage you to give your life to the Lord through faith in Jesus Christ as being God's divine Son, John 8, 24. I would encourage you to repent of your sins, to confess that you believe Jesus to be the Christ, Romans 10, 9 and 10, and to be baptized into Christ for the remission of your sins, Acts 2, 38. Would you do that today? I want to thank you for watching today. And until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and keep you is my prayer. Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama, 
3-6-5-8-0. Or call 1-877-711-5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bibles.